We begin a new series today, and I'm going to have them put up the graphic for the series. The series is titled, Ridiculously Generous. Ridiculously Generous. Now, here's the, here is the risk. I, I take a risk anytime we publish something like this on social media, or we begin to talk about something like generosity, because everybody, some, some are going to go, oh, the dude's going to talk about money. He's going to talk, he is going to talk about money. Well, I ain't coming. I got three weeks off from church. Sweet. Some actually look at it that way. Some have the opinion that all we ever talked about in church is money. Well, nothing could be further from the truth, but I understand the uneasiness. I really, I really do. I really do. And I think what we're going to talk about over the next four weeks is going to be really helpful to us. Why ridiculously generous? Well, all of us may be familiar with this little, with an oxymoron. Now, an oxymoron is a figure of speech. That figure of speech takes two words that are really, in many respects, contradictory to one another, combines them, and then you have, you have words like, you have phrases like, less is more, deafening silence, educated guest, extinct life, plastic silverware, clearly confused. They were clearly confused. What, really? They, I like this. They're pretty ugly. This is one that's pretty common. Jumbo shrimp. You know, how does some jumbo shrimp? Organized chaos. And here's my favorite on Time Chain Sunday, decaffeinated coffee. What's the point? <laughs> coffee has to have that wonderful juice of life called caffeine. An oxymoron. It's a figure of speech. Two or more words side by side that contradict each other. So when you look at ridiculous and generosity, they don't really seem to go together. They seem to be contradictory of one another. In fact, when you go a little deeper and you begin to find the two words, ridiculous is worthy of ridicule or derision. It's absurd, preposterous, it's laughable. So if something is laughable, why would you have want anything to do with it? Preposterous? Then you take the word generosity. It's, being, it's readiness or liberality in giving. It's freedom from meanness or smallness of mind. It's largeness or fullness. So now you take, let's just for example, you'll see how almost contradictory they are. Let's just take one from each, randomly from each definition. Let's use uh, worthy of ridicule and largeness. What? Now it begins to make a little more sense when you take these two words and you filter them through God's word or God's perspective on things, God's view of things. Ridiculously generous takes on a new life. A deeper understanding. So it's my hope over the next four weeks we're going to unpack this. We're going to understand it better of what it means to us to be ridiculously generous. Just a couple of observations by way of introduction. The first is this. Generosity is more than money. And I think we've got to to get beyond that. When, When somebody mentions generosity, our mind immediately goes to our wallet. Say, oh, there's one more money. No, generosity is more than money. It's time. I can't tell you how many times I have been, or we, Marcy and I, have been the benefactors of someone's generosity because of their investment of time in our life. I can think back when we were in student ministries and we wanted to have a date night. And at that particular point in our life, we didn't have a whole, our, our dates were, you know, like the, the casual, the very casual dining, like Taco Bell you know, casual dining. I'm not even sure you can call that dining. It's eating or it's consuming. 
But that was about all we had. So how are we going to find a babysitter for three kids? We had individuals graciously give up their time. Not always. We, we paid them sometimes. But the point being, there were those occasions where someone would invest their time in us. Or someone would come over and repair something at our house. That's generosity. And I'm going to tell you, every time that someone was generous in those regards, I was deeply grateful for what they contributed into my life made a difference in me. So we have, to get beyond the, we have to get beyond the idea that generosity is solely money. It's more than that. Second, generosity is unconditional. Unconditional in this respect. If you're generous to someone, you're not looking for reciprocation. I'm going to be generous so someone's going to do something for me. No. It's not, it's not that I'll be repaid. And it even goes so far as to be, I don't even need a thank you or want to thank you. I'm being generous because it's an expression of of who I am. And the third observation is that it gives us an an opportunity to experience an abundant life. I really like that. And I'm just going to illustrate it by doing a little survey. So you get to raise your hands here. So a little active participation. First, here's the first question. So raise your hand if this applies. All right? Here we go. How many would say that you would love to, and you think about this, that you really would love to have greater influence in your life. Now, that could be as a parent, a grandparent, or a, an employer, employee. You just want to have greater influence. You want to make a difference in your life. You say, yeah, that, I, want, I want my life to make a difference. Yeah, I think most of us would say, yeah. Here's another question for you. How many would say that you would really love to thrive in life? Now, thrive means to prosper, be successful, to flourish. Now, this could be in business. It could be in health. It could be in life. How many say, I want to be, I want to thrive? All right. Okay, now, here's one more question, and you have to listen to this one really carefully. Carefully listen. Raise your hand if you would say, I have no desire at all to make a difference with my life Family or business, I have no desire. I want to be absolutely mediocre forever. There's one person, raise your hand, I know they were playing, they were playing with me. They were messing with me. No, we don't, we don't want to, we don't go through life going, you know something, my goal is to be mediocre. Or I want to be below average. What? N- nobody goes through life that way. We just don't, we don't. Generosity gives us the opportunity to have an abundant life. There's something, there's something that happens in our life when we are generous. We want to talk about that for a little while today. And the, the verse that's going to help us over the next four weeks is a, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite verses in Proverbs. It's paraphrased through the message, and it's Proverbs 11.24. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I'm telling you, that, that is so powerful. If we could, if we could just grasp the power of that verse, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. In other words, you want to have influence. You want to thrive. According to, the, according to Scripture, according to God's Word, how is it going to happen? It's going to happen as we are generous. We want our world to shrink, just hold really tight to all of the things that we believe are ours. That's what he's saying. And so the big idea that we're going to unpack today and for the next four weeks 
is that God loves us. God loves us and wants the best for us. Can I just stop for a second? I want everybody to look at me. I know you're going to put your notes, you're going to write the stuff down, those of you taking notes. Why don't you look at me? I want you to hear me say this and I want you to see me say it. God loves you and God wants the best for you. Do not, do not miss that. And it follows exactly. He does not want something from us. He wants something for us. He knows that we will thrive. He, you hear this? He knows that we will thrive when we give ourselves away. Catch the phrasing. It's not the stuff. When we give ourselves away, there is a thriving that will take place. So he calls us to be ridiculously generous. Father, pray that you'll speak through your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Four observations this morning. Number one, being ridiculously generous is modeled by God's example. Being ridiculously generous is modeled by God's example. I had a basketball coach in high school. His name was Phil Jones. Phil, when he, when he was our coach, it was when I was a sophomore in high school, when he was our coach, he had just gotten out of college. He probably maybe two years, maybe three years removed from college. He was a, he was a great athlete, and he was a, a wonderful teacher of the game. Really helped us learn not just the game, but he learned, he taught us how to, how to, how to win gracefully and to lose gracefully. And I will tell you, that sophomore year in high school, we learned a lot of grace because we lost a lot of games. Uh, we, we learned how to lose better than we learned how to win. We were so elated when we win, we thought, man, we just won, we won everything. I mean, that we won one game, you know. It was just crazy. You thought we were the greatest things in sliced bread. The point being is that he was a great example. He was a great example of character. He was a great example of, of being an athlete. Uh, and, and being a godly man as well. And I was so impressed with the time I spent with him and the teaching that he gave me, I made it my goal to go to the same, I, to the same college, his alma mater. So I began to pursue attending George Fox University in Newburgh, Oregon. And that was my plan. I, in fact, the, the rest of my high school years, that's all I was pointed on. I was pointed to George Fox. I applied to George Fox. I was accepted to George Fox. I was ready to go. June of that year, the year I would go off to college, God changed the direction course of my life and took me another direction. But his example is what got me to pursue that. And here's, here's what I want you to take away from that. When we find a good example, one to model our lives after, we really, we really should do all that we can to find out what, why we're so intrigued with that and follow that to its logical conclusions, then how does God model this example of generosity? One of the most familiar verses in Scripture, most of us in this room have committed it to memory. We see it at sporting events. Even if you don't have it committed to memory, you could probably give a little bit of it here and there. You probably used it at some point to help share the good news of Jesus Christ and is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 3, 16, do you notice how it begins? For God so loved the world that he, what? Say it with me, gave. The expression of God in sending Jesus was an expression of generosity. That's our example. What better example to follow 
He was generous to us. Do we, under, do we understand that he gave his one and only son so you and I could have life present and life eternal? God was so generous that our response from his generosity should be naturally a generous one. Jesus would say, Matthew 10, bring health to the sick, raise the dead, teach the untouch the untouchables, kick out the demons, and listen, listen to this. You have been treated generously, so live generously. You see, the example that we've been given is God himself. There's no greater example to model our life after. And you say, well, you know, generosity, I'm just not so sure. How can, I, how can I learn to be generous? You can learn to be generous by follow the example of your father who gave his one and only son. Second observation is being ridiculously generous is a matter of heart. It's a matter of heart. How we view life, time, and possessions our money, our abilities, how we manage them, how we value them. It provides a window into our heart. That opens the door to who we are. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Solomon in wisdom writes, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. It's interesting that he was a guarded It tells me that if I don't put a guard around my heart, if I'm not careful with my heart, I can be in some places that may not necessarily be the best for me. God, hear this carefully. God does not, God does not need your money. He does not need your possessions. He does not need your ability. He does not need your time. He does not need that. But he desperately wants your heart. Desperately wants your heart. Why? Because what does it do? It sets the course of your life. We're looking to thrive in life. Everyone answered in this room saying, yeah, I want to thrive. Yeah, I want an abundant and full life. I want that. It starts with your heart. It's a matter of your heart. It's not a matter of your stuff. It's not a matter of your money. It's not a matter of your time. It's a matter of your heart. It's your heart. Jesus would say, Matthew 6, your heart will always be where your treasure is. That's where your heart's going to be. In other words, the things that we value, it's where your heart is. If you, we were talking about basketball a minute ago. If you value basketball above all else, that's where your heart is. If, and you could add anything to it, just fill in the blank. I, I've told this story before a couple years ago, but I think it bears repeating, and some may not have heard it. Uh, There's a story about a missionary who was, who was talking about Jesus to a tribal chief. And this was, this was in, the, in the 19th century. This is a long time ago. Chief of the tribe. And the chief, the chief tried to impress the missionary uh, by the offering of gifts of horses and jewelry and blankets. And he was just pouring it on. And, and the missionary said, stop, 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 stop. And this is so important to hear. It says, my God does not want the chief's horses, jewelry, Blankets. My God wants the chief himself. Chief paused for a moment. He says, ah, you have a very wise God. Because if your God gets the chief, 
He gets the chief's horses, blankets, and jewelry. Why? Because it's a matter of the heart. Where our, where our treasure is, that's where our heart is. Our hearts reflect what we value. Guard them. Guard them. Third observation is that giving, uh, being ridiculously generous is opposite of our human nature. Opposite of our human nature. Robert Fulgham wrote a wonderful book. Many of you be familiar with it. <laughs> I, love the, I love it. He says, all I really need to know, I learned in kindergarten. There's the book's title. How true that, how true that is. In fact, he, he, he puts a list, a master list of 16 things that you need to learn. The number one thing, number one out of 16 is share everything. Share everything. I don't know if I ever learned that particularly well. And maybe the reason I didn't learn it, I never went to kindergarten. So I grew up kind of wanting my stuff and, and holding it really close. I, I, my, my brother's 12 years older than I, and so I kind of grew up in an, as an only child. I wasn't, but I kind of was because it was me. I had the run of the house. And, they were, and I had toys. I didn't want any of the neighbor kids playing with my toys. First, they always broke them. That was the first thing. But the, probably the bigger reason was they're mine. <laughs> Belongs to me, baby. So I, I can even, I can vaguely remember. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to say this is absolutely the truth, but I can vaguely remember. I would have people coming over, kids coming over to my house, and I would hide my toys. Now, I'm not proud of that. But... But I still have some of my toys when I was a kid, and they're still in really good condition until I gave them to my children. <laughs> Stinkers. But I don't know that I ever really learned to share well. Because our human nature is that we draw things close. And we do something like this. This is mine. It's mine. I worked hard for this. I deserve it. It's mine. You don't realize what it took for me to have this. This is mine. And then we push it. We push it to a, next, a crazy degree, and it's called hoarding. Have you ever watched the program Hoarding or Hoarders? It, is almost, it almost makes you ill. Because these folks, they cannot let go of that which they have accumulated. We, Marcy and I know about this firsthand. Marcy, her last year in college, she was doing her student teaching, and she and a roommate had moved off campus, and they rented, a, they rented a room from a wonderful Christian lady from one of our local churches. So they went to see the house, and the room that they, here's the room they were going to stay in. It was a nice little room, except it was filled from literally floor to ceiling with stuff. But that wasn't the end of it. The only way you could get from their room so the bathroom or the kitchen was to follow a trail through things, including newspapers and magazines that were, st- that were stacked from floor to ceiling. So when she was renting the room, me and two of, our, two of my buddies, we went over, her roommate's boyfriend, uh, me and then another friend, we went over and here's what we did. We built, remember the, remember the metal sheds, the self-assembled metal sheds? Well, we built a metal shed for one reason. And that was to move the stuff out of the room they would be staying in into that shed. I don't believe we moved one thing of value, but you didn't get rid of it. 
This was Grace's, and that was her name, Grace Hennington, and she was a wonderful lady. I don't want to be critical of her, but I'm just saying I know what hoarding is up close and personal, and it's destructive. But you say, well, Gary, I'd never go to that degree. I, I don't have that as an issue. I think we each have to look pretty desperately or deeply within our lives. Am I prone to gather? Do, do I hold things close with a clenched fist, or do I hold them with a more open hand? Do I really understand all of the possessions that I have, the, the nature of them? In fact, let me just read you a, what one commentator would say was the ultimate can't-take-it-with-you parable from, math, from Luke chapter 12. Jesus says, when I'm under the crowd, said to him, teacher, tell, me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you, and he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be whoever, with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. Jesus is not condemning wealth. He's not saying don't prepare for the future. He's not saying don't care for your family. But rather, he is confronting the use of that which we have. Understand, it's not how much we have. It's what we do with what we have. And that's where he confronts this, what is called the parable of the rich fool. J. Oswald Sanders has written a number of books, Christian Maturity, Christian Discipleship, Christian Leadership. This is what he writes. He said, our master expects us to hold all that we have within a, in a relaxed, inverted hand and not in a tightly clenched fist. You see, holding it tightly, that is the natural human response because we have worked so hard to get this. This is mine, this is mine, and I'm gonna hold on to it. I'm not gonna let go of it. Why? Because we are convinced that this life is the only life there is. Therefore, we're gonna hold really tight to what we have. And understand, remember what we started with. Generosity is more than money. It's your time, it's your abilities, it's your talent. It is everything that you and I possess. Martin Luther, this past week, as a matter of fact, some celebrated Halloween, I celebrated Reformation Day. That is the day that Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the Wittenberg door, which started the Protestant Reformation. That was October 31st. So maybe next year we ought to celebrate that and I'll dress up like friars. How about that? Just kidding. Just kidding. Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hand and I've lost them all. But whatever... I have placed in God's hands, I still have. Man. So, Matthew 6. Don't store up yourselves treasures here on earth, Jesus says. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them. Where thieves break in and steal, store yourselves. You store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust don't destroy, or cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Remember, our nature says acquire and hold tight to everything that we have. But let's live opposite 
of what nature says. And finally, last observation is being ridiculously generous is a question of ownership. It's a question of ownership. When Marcy and I moved to Temecula in 2016, as with most folks, when you have an opportunity to move, you, de- you downsize a little bit. And we did. Uh, I don't think we did a particularly good job. Um, and here's, <laughs> I'm just telling you, we thought we had, and then we start looking around going, we have got so much stuff. Now, I'm just talking for us. I would imagine every one of, every one of us have the same, same thing. We could say the same thing. We have so much stuff. And then I don't even want to go into the statistics about the storage unit business around the I mean, it is unbelievable. Why? Because we have so much stuff. But here is, here is the truth. The truth is that everything that I have does not belong to me. It's not mine. It's not mine. It belongs, belongs to God. In fact, it's really interesting I am, and it's really important to catch, to keep this in mind. You and I are just managers or stewards. We are managers of God's property. Now that is inclusive of every dollar I have, every possession I have, every moment that I have, every ability and talent that I have. That belongs to God. And so the big question is, how am I doing managing God's stuff? That's all a game changer. We have to look at life differently. How am I doing managing his possessions? And it's important, once again, to just hear this. God doesn't need our stuff. In fact, in fact, what in the world could we offer God that he doesn't already possess? Nothing. So that's why we say God doesn't want your money. God doesn't want your stuff. God doesn't want your time. God doesn't want your ability. God doesn't want your talent. God wants you. You. Us. He wants our hearts. Just before Jesus' crucifixion, he taught his disciples very powerful, very powerful teaching. Matthew 24 and 25 is called the Olivet Discourse. And it talks about what would happen at the end of the age, both in Jerusalem and Judea, but also then the world itself. And I want to read a portion of that, Matthew 25. Look at it with me. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Here, do you see those words? Say this word with me. Say entrusted. Entrusted. That is a critical word. And in fact, if you have your notes and or your Bible, you want to underline it or circle that word, entrusted. To one he gave five bags of gold, another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, that's important to understand. Five, two, and one. So the master recognized that some would have greater ability to manage five, and some two, and some one. The same is true with us. So some of us have more, some of us don't have as much. Now, there's, no, there's no, nothing inferior about that at all. God just understands. He gives gifts to each of us according to our ability. That's what, the, that's what the story is. goes on. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the man, the one with two bags of gold, gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought another five. Master, he said... 
You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and said, Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, went out and hid your gold in the, in the ground. See, here, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you, have been, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have be, then they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is, that's severe. But understand... The idea is that the master has entrusted property. He has entrusted resources. And let me just stop. God has entrusted you and me with resources. Our time is a resource. Your money is a resource. Your talent is a resource. Your abilities are resources. He's given them to us. How are we managing that which he's given us? That bag of gold, by some estimation, is worth 20 years of a day laborer's wage. So what that what Jesus is trying to say, the magnitude of what the master is given is extraordinary. And what is so interesting, five gets five, two gets two, one buries, it comes back. Did you notice this man did not squander it? He didn't waste it. He didn't embezzle it. He didn't gamble it. He simply did nothing with what God had given to him and the same is true for us. It doesn't mean that we might do something bad with that which God has given us, but when we do nothing, we are still considered, ready for this, wicked and lazy. I'm sorry. I do not want to be characterized by the God of this universe who gave his one and only son for me. I don't want to be characterized as wicked and lazy because I have done nothing with that which he has entrusted to me. Wow. It should stun us all. It should cause us to just stop in our tracks and say, God, take a look at my life. What am I doing with that which you have given me? Am I holding it so close? Am I just hoarding that which you've given me? God, help me. God has not entrusted, and look at this phrase, God has not entrusted us with resources to bury them, to do nothing with them. We are to leverage them for his purposes. 2 Corinthians 9, you'll be enriched in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Hear me carefully. God will bless us. He has blessed us. But he doesn't bless us in abundantly so that we can hoard like the rich fool. He blesses us so we can be a blessing. One more time. 
He blesses us so we can be a blessing. He gives us more so we can give more. Not for any other reason than what Paul says right here, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When we are generous, God is lifted up. God's name is proclaimed. Opportunities are presented, and people come to faith in Jesus Christ, and there is rejoicing in heaven because of our generosity. Why wouldn't I want to be ridiculously generous? I do. And frankly, over the next three weeks, I want to learn what that means. And I've been wrestling with this. I've been preparing this for a long time. And I'm wrestling. God, what does it mean? Because understand something. This means something to me. What does it mean for me to be generous? I'm still learning what that is. I, I, want, I want to respond appropriately to God, and I'm praying that the same thing will happen in us. So I'm going to give you, over the next three weeks, I'm going to give you four benefits of generosity. And I picked these up from Rick Warren as my studies, and I found this list, and I thought it was just terrific. I thought, I can't just sit on this. I've got to share it with you. So I'm going to give you four benefits of generosity today for the next two weeks. So you'll have 12 by the time it's done. Dozen. Benefits of generosity. Number one, generosity brings God's blessing. Deuteronomy 15. Listen to how, listen to how Moses characterizes this. This is a word from the Lord. Give generously to them and, to, and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, look at this, and then because of this, the Lord, your God, will bless you, ready, in all your work and in everything you put your hand to do. The blessing of God will be on you as we are generous. Proverbs 22, generous people will be blessed. Hallelujah. Number two, generosity brings God's protection. God's protection. Psalm 112. All goes well for the generous man who conducts his business fairly. Such a man will not be overthrown by evil circumstances. God's constant care of him will make a deep impression on all who see it. Amen. Amen. Come on. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Number three, generosity expands my influence. Expands my influence. Psalm 112 again. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Look at this. Their good deeds, their good deeds will be remembered forever. Forever. I pray every day that God will increase the influence of Crossroads Church. Every Every day. I pray, and this is what I pray. Lord, Lord, bless us. Bless us again and again and again and enlarge our territory. Let it be so. Generosity, generosity will be remembered. Stingy will be remembered, reviled, not unlike Mr. Scrooge. You remember him. Proverbs eleven twenty four. you know this. We've already read it. The world of generousness is larger and larger. Number four, generosity multiplies my money. Wow. A generous person will prosper. Wow. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. And 2 Corinthians 9, 11, we've already read it. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. So today as we close, I want to give you two takeaways Two action steps that you, can, that you can appropriate this week. First one is this. I want you to ask God for a generosity moment this week. There's a lot of different ways to be generous. I, I, I trust that I've, I've unpacked that a little bit. Maybe it's giving of your time to somebody. 
there may be someone in your neighborhood that just can't get to the grocery store without some help. And you know who they are. Say, come on, I'll take you to the store. Not even expecting a thank you. And saying, you don't have to do something. No, it's not a quid pro quo. And that's in the, that's in the news today. And then all that word's everywhere. That phrase is everywhere. It's not about that. Just, just being generous. Maybe it's walking the neighbor's dog or taking care of them. Maybe it's you pick up the coffee for the sheriff's deputy that's in front of you at Starbucks. Ask God for a generosity moment this week. Here's what I believe will happen. I believe God will open a door for you. And out of that, something will happen in us. Generosity births generosity. You you just want more and more of it. The second is this. Would you commit to leveraging your God-given resources in an intentional way through Crossroads Church? Money, yes, that's fine. What about your time? What about your talent? What about your abilities, your resources? I said a moment ago that I pray every day for God will expand our territory, enlarge us. Hear me, unless every one of us are involved at some level, it's going to be difficult to accomplish, I believe, all that God wants us to do. All of us in the room can pray. That's one thing. But there are other things that you can leverage for the kingdom of God and his purposes. Your time. Those talents. I was going to say, that, and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this and give you more and more opportunities by which you can hear this. Hear me. We are, I left out a couple of things in the notes. And I just realized that. And they're very important. So I'm going to go back to them. So hang with me. I went right, I skipped over them very fast. But leveraging this, we were talking about being entrusted, remember? That we're entrusted with the resources that God has given us. And two observations. We're not owners, I already said that. But that generosity, generously entrusted you God has generously entrusted you with his resources. We are to be grateful for them. We need to be grateful for them. The second part, second observation is God will hold us accountable for his resources. Therefore, be intentional. It is really important to understand that. We need to be thankful for what God has given us. And I'm thankful for the time. I'm thankful for the abilities. I'm thankful for all of that. But by the same token, I am going to be held accountable for that which God is giving me. That includes my money, my time, my abilities. I'm going to be held accountable for that, as all of us will be. And you say, well, Gary, why would I, why would I leverage it through Crossroads Church? Well, it's a wonderful place to give our life to. An opportunity to share with those who have needs within our local community and around the world. A way to invest in the lives of those precious children who are being served right now by those who faithfully commit. Those who usher, those who worship, 
those who prepare the coffee, those who are in our tech booth, those who do life, who are life group leaders, and I could go on and on and on. There are so many opportunities to leverage that which God has given you, and I'm going to be held accountable for my the resources He's given to me. I want to leverage them well. So those two things, ask God this week for a generosity moment. Then make a commitment over these next few weeks to leveraging that which God has given you through Crossroads Church. Would you pray with me, Lord? Thank you for your word today. And I pray that you will speak life to us this morning. Um, I really do... I really do want to be generous. I'm still learning what that means, but Lord, if I can take just the principles that I've heard this morning and apply them, if I could just take the last two, then I need to be grateful for what I've been entrusted to, and then Lord, I'd be accountable for them. Lord, if I can understand that I don't own anything, it's all yours. Lord, if I can move away from my human nature that says I'm going to hold tight, hold tight, hold tight, Lord, if I can apply this, man, what a difference my life could be. Thank you. Thank you.